0: Well, all of entertainment actually w- took a hit with the pandemic. I mean, I, I think everyone did, yet that is a population that struggled so significantly. And, and what I saw through music here is were they have a higher propensity for those mental health struggles. Yet added to that were the stressors from the pandemic and now the identity crisis and Who am I and the the anxiety, the level of anxiety as people are getting back out there Mm -hmm. too and performing. I would hear that over and over again that just increased levels of anxiety and is this really what I want to do? And if I don't do this, what else would I do? Mm -hmm. So there's so many different layers of support that this community needs. And not unlike all communities, yet it can be much more difficult for somebody who is public facing to get the support that they need. Yeah. Just given their profession.
1: Yeah, there's an it's a great point in that there's a, a little bit of a loss of self when you have to balance a public-facing identity and try to have some sense of a personal life. Yeah. And we know no human being, no matter what you do, you can be a, a, a pastor, a, a, a public-facing therapist, a thought leader, then you are a human being at the end of the day. Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast. Where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox.
2: I'm your host, Lindsay Nobles. And I'm your host, Mackenzie Boat. Hey, y'all. This week I got to sit down with Miles and Lindsay, and the three of us interviewed our brand new Vice President of Entertainment and Specialized Services, Debbie Carroll. Debbie joined our team just about a month ago to head up a brand new division of OnSite, and we're so excited for all that's in store. In this interview, we take a little bit of time just to get to know Debbie a little bit more, and I already loved her and I love her even more after this interview, but the four of us also discuss the unique mental health challenges faced by those throughout the entertainment industry. Over the years, OnSite has become an established and trusted partner to the entertainment community. We've served artists, athletes, actors, authors, speakers and a whole host of those who work behind the scenes in ancillary supportive roles. Our newest offerings hope to create sustainability, care and prevention for a demographic that is about three times more likely to experience anxiety and depression than the general population. Miles and Debbie pull back the curtain a little bit and share a little bit more about that need, their individual heart and passion for serving this community and what they're excited about in the future. So join us for this unique look at things happening at Onsite. Well, because we have got three people, um, will you guys each say your name so that people can kind of like associate it with your- oh, that's a good word. With your voice. Lindsay here. Debbie. Miles. Miles. And Mackenzie, obviously. But Debbie, we are so excited. You are rounding out your first week here at Onsite. And I would just love to start there, like- who are you, and what prompted your journey to get to OnSite?
0: Who am I? That's Who a big question, you, right? right? Well, professionally, I have been with Music Cares for 24 years mm. prior to joining OnSite, so it had to take something pretty special for me to leave a company that I have loved and adored for decades. Mm-hmm. And OnSite has been in my world, gosh, for many years, probably two decades. Um, Mm. And Miles and I have been good friends for about the same period of time. And OnSite actually became on my radar because we were sending so many clients to OnSite and I was hearing what a life-changing experience Mm. it was. And I thought, hmm, I want to experience that. (laughs) And so I actually attended an LCP program myself probably 13, 14 years ago, And immediately got it, immediately understood why OnSite was so special. And so I feel so incredibly fortunate and blessed to be a part of this team. I'm just Mm -hmm. excited to be here.
3: I also wanted to ask if you'd speak a little bit just about your personal life, but just tell us about who who you are and your life outside of work.
0: That's right. You did ask me out who I am, and I immediately went to work. Isn't that interesting? Welcome to OnSite. Uh, right? I know, right? <laughs> and I, a human doing, a human being. I am the mother of twins who will be 27 on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I was born in Nashville and grew up in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Went to high school there. Felt like that was the biggest risk my parents took and the greatest blessing for all of us. It was an amazing experience growing up there and spent some time and. Colorado and Providence, Rhode Island, and then eventually Atlanta. Um, And my parents had divorced, and my mother had moved back to Nashville. So when my twins were born, so it takes a village to raise twins and moved back to Nashville. So I'm somewhat of a Nashville native, yet a lot of different stops along the way. I'm married, have a French bulldog, Ella, who still lives at home. (laughs) And enjoy hiking, skiing, Gardening, anything that's outdoors and I you know, turkey hunting would be on my list too. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. We were talking about that earlier with Miles. So I don't know, but maybe. Anything that's outside is really kind of my my happy place.
1: Yeah. You just made my day, the fact that you're even <laughs> open to that.
0: <laughs> that sounds intriguing. For
3: people in Nashville and in the music industry, they've heard of Music Cares, but a lot of our clients are from
0: other places around the world. We speak a little to what Music Cares does. Absolutely. Music Cares um, is a safety net for the music community mm. in times of need. So, Music Cares offers emergency financial assistance to get people through medical issues, dental needs. Um, if somebody is on a ladder and falls off the ladder and breaks their arm and they can no longer tour, Music Cares can step in and pay their mortgage and their expenses while they recover. Music Cares also does a lot in the disaster relief uh, space. So during COVID-19, the pandemic, yeah. Music Cares did a significant amount to help support music people during that time when, people, when the industry was virtually decimated by the pandemic and people were not working. There are also a variety of different educational services associated with Music mm-hmm. Cares, any topic of interest for the music community that Music Cares typically addresses it, substance abuse issues, financial wellness, legal, medical. So it's, it's a, a variety of services to help keep the music community healthy and yeah. well.
3: And what was the genesis for it starting in its work?
0: It started in 1989 with um, by a group of music executives mm-hmm. and also artists who mm-hmm. decided after Woody Herman, who was a legendary jazz artist, died virtually homeless and alone. Mm-hmm. Wow. They said that's a tragedy, and no one in the industry should have to face that. Particularly an an individual who had given so much of his time, talents, and, and resources to a craft for for years, and also realizing that the music community, most people don't realize that the average musician makes $25,000 a year. Hmm. So they're the superstars that wow. we know all know and love, yet they're also the hundreds of people that support that artist, or they're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make sure that the music's delivered to the general public. And yeah. so those people don't have regular benefits that most other professions have. So that's why Music Cares was started.
2: Cool. And you have been a part of Music Cares for 24 years, you said. What has been the passion or the love that you've seen and started to fall in love with the music community to keep you there working with that population for so long?
0: You know, initially I wasn't interested in Music Cares because there were so many different things that I thought was not a a great fit for where I was in my world at that time. And then after going to the first interview, I thought, what an intriguing notion that this this entity that's supported by the same profession takes Mm -hmm. care of their own in such a beautiful way. And I was thrilled to have been hired and then immediately found that the industry really, they were my people. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt at home in a different way than I've felt previously. And it was based upon... Just such a a generous community who, a vulnerable community who, again, really put themselves out there every single day and yet don't always get much back in return, nor do they expect much back in return. Mm -hmm. So it's just been a a real natural fit for me. And it was something that I I recognized really early on, that it was a population that I wanted to be around.
2: Yeah. I think, Miles, you have a very similar story when you started getting around the artist community and... The music industry—you just kept coming back, right?
1: I did. Yeah, we've—it's um, been—it's been a great ride working in and around that space for a good chunk of my professional career, and I had a bit of a personal connection uh, to uh, the at least specifically music. I mm-hmm. know with talking about entertainment and what we're going to be doing together, it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's a little broader than music, but uh, you know, music for me. G- growing up, I'd have to go back to when I grew up, and mm-hmm. we we did a lot of things really well as a family, and and we weren't perfect. So there were a few things that we missed along the way, and uh, one of those was we didn't, I would say, express our feelings very well mm-hmm. in the the formative kind of developmental part of growing up. And so music for me became this private outlet where I could feel. Mm. And begin to feel. And I remember uh, as a teenager having tears privately, w- you know, with music. Yeah. And and I and I was you know as, and, and I don't want to put all that on my my family. It wasn't just that. It was just the area I grew up in. I grew up small town south as a guy, and you just didn't really emote that way. It's kind of yeah. like that whole stigma around men. Being able to, some feelings are okay and some weren't. And so the idea that I could emote and that I felt good about it, but I felt kind of embarrassed by it. So it was nice that music became kind of a companion for me that taught me how to feel in a time when I didn't know if that was okay or not. Yeah. Little did I know, years later, I would join this field mm-hmm. that teaches people the value of feeling And and as it goes, chasing a big part of my own story. But I've never forgot what music did for me when I needed it most. Mm -hmm. And so I've always felt I owed a debt of uh, gratitude uh, to the music community for creators to keep them in the game and doing what they do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, being in Nashville early on, starting my career in mental health, um, it's just kind of you're going to bump into the space. You know, it's the infrastructure of, of Nashville being a music town. And that's kind of what happened. I started doing crisis interventions and that led me into intervening on that turns out the music industry uh, use could use an interventionist every now and then <laughs> <laughs> so I started uh, doing a few of those and just got some relationships and uh and I've always just had a real passion for the creatives I love creatives and in uh another thing that's probably not surprising being in Nashville is that's a my social circle too yeah. you know most of my Friends, I married a creative, and most of my friends are, are all in that space and around that space in some way. So I just I love what artists and creatives do for the world. And mm-hmm. I love that we have resources and tools that can help them sustain, keep their feet on the ground, and like Debbie said earlier, just receive some benefit back for uh, how well they show up for humanity. Yeah.
2: I think, I mean, we would say that everyone deserves that gift, but I think even if you look at the statistics, um, the creative community – especially, has struggles with mental and emotional wellness. And I think like two-thirds of creatives would say that they've experienced depression or anxiety. And so from your own experience, um, how have you seen that be true of like what the creative community is kind of in search of what they need?
1: Well, Debbie probably more qualified to me than answer this, but I want to answer that, but I also just want to, Say as Debbie said, we've been friends for a long time, mm-hmm. and we've collaborated. How'd
3: y'all meet? You have a good, a good story. Okay, meet you. <laughs> you remember? I'm not
0: remembering exactly, uh, and
1: where I don't we either. Met. So it must. Mm-hmm. It was a great story. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, Neither of right. us remember, it, but it was really. I'll amazing. make it up before but next time. Yeah. I do remember early on one of the first members. I think we probably met in similar circles, mm-hmm. being in our space. Um, or in and me having a foot in our space and kind of a foot in in your your previous world. Yeah. I remember a lunch that we had and we were somewhere in Hillsborough Village or right in there. And I walked away from that thinking, man, she is special. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and anybody you ask is going to back that up. You are. You've just shown up mm-hmm. at the intersection of mental health and music as good as anybody ever has. And between you and Music Cares, which I have a deep respect of Music Cares, all mm-hmm. the people that it supports, all the people that it stands for, the people that work there, we've just been great friends over the years. And I, and I would credit the organization and you, Debbie, as, as, as a leader of paving the way for all of us to make a bigger impact in that, in that community. So I, I am thrilled to get to work with mm-hmm. a friend, uh, but also just a colleague I highly respect. And I know we're going to build something special. We're already in the works of doing so. And we've been offering services for a while, uh, but uh, we, we, I think we all recognize that we could do more and make it a bit more uh, holistic and cover a little more ground. And I'm so excited to get to do it alongside you.
0: Well, and vice versa. That that, um, The feeling is very mutual. I remember I told you this, I think, yesterday, that the first time we met, I was so impressed with how present you were Mm -hmm. in a conversation, regardless of all the chaos that was going on around us. And I thought, this guy is really a special, special person. And then I felt so honored to get to know you as a friend and work beside you for so many years. Uh Miles was always my go-to guy mm-hmm. for if there was something really challenging, say, hey, do you mind? Would you please help us with such <laughs> and such? And you always delivered in such a beautiful, beautiful way and connected with tough communities um, yeah. that were not always easy to reach, but you always found a way to reach them. So I'm excited about this as well. I think it's going to be something really, really special and will help impact so many different lives.
1: Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. And I got so excited for a moment there to um, share about my adoration for Debbie Carroll that I forgot your question, what you asked in the beginning. What was the original one that I did not answer? I'm sorry.
2: So I guess my question would be, why launch an entertainment division?
1: Well, you know, for one, musicians, I'll just take musicians. We could talk about athletes and, Mm -hmm. and others. They've all got statistics and good data to back it up. But they're three times more likely to experience anxiety or depression than the general public. And research supports that, and that's just one of many statistics. But, and 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 you could go to the well, why is that? Well, you could mm-hmm. you could analyze their brain chemistry and figure out why they might be a bit more wired to be susceptible. But I, you know, having been around and and uh, being friends with that community and worked with that community professionally and personally, if you think about what they do, they open themselves up, all of themselves, to mm-hmm. take on the world, uh, and assimilate information through their body hard stuff good stuff uh, everything that you you hear in the songs that they write about and and they translate it for the rest of us yeah so they can take a painful circumstance put it into a narrative turn it into a song and what I've noticed is that no different than as a helping professional there is vicarious and secondary nature to the stuff we consume so mm. when we consume, information all day and every day it gets in our cells and some of it sticks which makes our profession sometimes taxing and hard yeah. and i think creatives are the same way i mm-hmm. think they consume so much and translate so much of the world for the rest of us that some of it sticks and it can be a weighty profession yeah. not to mention the pace of the profession mm-hmm. always always being on and especially if you're in a part of the profession where you're public in nature public mm-hmm. facing That comes with a whole significant set of issues. So there's just inherent stress in that community. That's number one. Uh, I I really have seen big benefit in being able to step in and support them with resources and services like ours. But another big one for me is when creatives or or athletes, just people who end up being public-facing, typically carry influence good or bad, a lot yeah. of influence. And I would make up that, uh, let's just stick in music for a minute, because that's what you and I are most familiar with, that I think music, artists, has potency and potential to shift and change the world in ways that we can't do in politics and yeah. in faith and business and education systems. So I think it's, I think it's got way more impact than we even think about. And so Why not come along folks who are deserving, Mm -hmm. who could use it, and who, when they're at their best, give so much good out into the world? Yeah. So I love the the double impact. One, we get to help people. That's why we're here. And Mm -hmm. two, we know those people influence a whole lot more people. And I love the ripple idea of that.
0: I'll also add so many great points, but the pandemic and it's just mm. the culture that we're living in today, but has added so much stress to the to the music community as a whole, and again speaking more to music, um, well, all of entertainment actually w- took a hit with the pandemic. I mean, I, I think everyone did. Yet that is a population that struggled so significantly, and and mm. what I saw through music here's were they have a higher propensity for those mental health struggles, yet added to that were the stressors from the pandemic and now the identity crisis and who am I and the the anxiety, the level of anxiety as people are getting back out there Mm -hmm. too and performing. I would hear that over and over again, that just increased levels of anxiety and is this really what I want to do? And if I don't do this, what else would I do? Mm -hmm. So there's so many different layers of support that this community needs, and not unlike all communities, yet it can be much more difficult for somebody who is public-facing to get the support that they need, yeah. just given their profession.
1: Yeah, there's an it's a great point in that there's a, a little bit of a loss of self when you have to balance a public-facing identity and try to have some sense of a personal life. Yeah. And we know no human being, no matter what you do, you can be a, a, a pastor, a, a, a public-facing therapist, a thought leader, then you are a human being at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. I can tell you, having spent a couple decades in our space, I do feel fortunate to work in this space because there's a level of accountability that kind of comes with it to, mm-hmm. to integrate a lot of the tools that we have. But I'm armed with great tools, and I'm very human in the integration part. Yeah. I, in other words. And people sometimes can uh, pedestal even somebody like me, and I'm not very public, but they can pedestal me and think that because I work in this profession, I've got life is just going swimmingly. And (laughs) some days it is, and some days I'm just a hot mess. (laughs) It's just I know what to do with my mess now uh, because I've got great tools, and and that's what we want to be able to afford to other people. Because I think people are surprised when we see a public figure fall, Mm -hmm. and not, not just music. It can be a pastor or anybody. We see them fall, and they're like, how could that happen? You know, we've been hanging on to your every word or your every lyric Mm -hmm. for so long, and it seemed like life was perfect. And that bubble is not realistic. Uh, The same amount of stress goes for these folks as it Mm -hmm. might go for others. So I'm excited to step more into that space. And we don't, we're not, we're not here to try to recreate what's already in place. We couldn't if we try, but there are, you know, the the pillars of the space, the Music mm-hmm. Cares and a lot of other organizations that are going to continue doing amazing things and helping. We want to be innovative and think about how do we even prevent some of this? Yeah. How do we yeah. create an ecosystem that would educate, that would inform, that gives people a chance up front to start and have a beautiful public career, make great impact, be mm-hmm. successful, and, and yet have a life at the end of it? To be like, oh, okay, I didn't just do all this just to please other people. I did it. And I got a great life by doing something I love. That's what we're after.
2: Hey, friends. If you have been a listener of the podcast long, you have heard about our on-site, in-person experiences, especially our group programs. So we currently offer three group programs. Our flagship program, the Living Center program, which is the name of this podcast, the Healing Trauma Program, and our Healthy Love and Relationships Program.
4: Yeah, and if you're anything like me, I think before I've now done a program myself, but before that, mm-hmm. I was like, which one is right for me? I feel like I can see parts of myself in all of those names, and so it's a little overwhelming to say which program would kind of benefit my story and my healing journey wherever I am. Um, and so we wanted to come alongside you and kind of offer some guidance into deciding which program is right for you if you're ready to take that next step into a workshop experience at on-site. Um, and don't worry, it isn't just you're not on your own to make this decision. Our clinical team. Is is really amazing at coming alongside you and asking the right questions to make sure you mm-hmm. get the right fit for where you need to be. But we wanted to empower you to kind of take that first step to ask yourself before you connect with someone on our team, which program is right for me where I am. As Mackenzie just said, we offer workshops at both of our campuses in Tennessee and in California. And those workshops are the Living Center Program, Healing Trauma, and Healthy Love and Relationships. So we recently put together a blog post on our website and you can check it out at Onsite Workshop com backslash right program for me. And it will walk you through kind of our three foundational workshop programs. In it, you'll see testimonials from real alumni who have done the programs. You'll see a video that kind of encapsulates the essence of each program. And then you'll see some FAQs that might help you put yourself into the situation and really imagine which program might be right for you.
2: I love this blog post. I feel like it's such a good resource. And we wanted to make sure that you, our podcast listeners, know all about it. So if you have ever wondered Is it time for me to do a program? And which program? Uh, We've created this resource just for you. Check it out.
3: So, you know, you're four days in. (laughs) I'm sure we've got it all figured out. There's a whole new division of OnSite. Where do you start sort of in building this new entity? What are sort of, I know there's been so much interest since we made an announcement and people are desperate to... Get help. How how are you stepping into it slowly?
0: That's a very good question. Miles and I, I think, have been thinking about this and ruminating about it. Miles more so than I have. Um, I remember when Miles approached it and and presented it, and I sort of was like, "What?" Um, yet, it didn't take long for me to quickly understand it and and embrace it, and so. We're doing a lot of brainstorming um, and making sure that we build a solid foundation. Mm -hmm, So when we do launch this program, we're ready to go and we've got the pieces in place that that we need to have to help support people. And we're not only going to rely upon our own manpower and brainpower to, to solicit. Um, opinions about what we need to do. We're also going to look externally and talk to people in the industry, talk to sports figures. So we've got a lot of really fun ideas in place. Mm -hmm. Um, I hate to to put the cart before the horse and really talk specifics, but I think it's, I have no doubt it's going to be, the foundation is going to be so strong and so supportive when it is rolled out.
1: I love that. And I'm so glad you said the cart before the horse because I usually put the cart before the horse. <laughs> and uh, That's what will make us a great team. Great I, team right here. I, yeah. get, I get out in front and get excited with – and the reality is, we already have some services in place, yeah. and we're going to continue to offer those. You know, we've yeah. we've had had have been a friend to and and worked alongside the the sports industry, the music industry, film and TV, and some others for quite some time. Mm-hmm. But really, music we've worked really close with. Yeah. So much so, people introduce us sometimes as being in that space, being yeah. in the mental health side of music, which is amazing to have that trust. What we want to do, I believe, is let's get innovative and look at this as. This is a systemic problem Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. we don't need to treat it with symptom management. So here's an industry ripe with stress and ripe with influence. Yeah. And that recipe creates a significant amount of updraft of pressure. Mm -hmm. And we know what pressure does to the system, especially when you put pressure on top of a public profession where you've got dual identity to protect. Well, that creates a significant amount of stress. And unaddressed stress creates anxiety, depression, addictions, strained relationships, burnout, etc. All of mm-hmm. which, ironically, kill connectivity and creativity. That's the two things that brought them to the dance, and they're signing mm-hmm. up for a career that, if wildly successful, has a good chance of of killing the gift that they brought to the dance. And so, how do you how do we take that which we've learned along the way and and look at it systemically, and not just start throwing stuff at it to be we're here when the wheels fall off. And we need you. It's like no, no, no. We we care too much about the whole thing to figure out where does it go wrong to begin with. And so, as Debbie said, um, I, I'm excited. So it's so hard for me mm-hmm. to pull the reins to back. hold it back because mm-hmm. <laughs> I know what we. I know the impact we can have here, and we will have here. Yeah. And I'm ready to get going on it because I know yeah. the needs out there. And you feel the need. I feel the need. But yeah. but but thankfully, you know, having Debbie in the key leadership role here. Uh, this is going to be done right, mm-hmm. and we're going to take our time uh, and build this thing. Uh, we're going to keep offering the services we have right now, but we're going to build something unique and, and, and different that hasn't really been done before. Uh, and so that that's going to take some thorough evaluation assessment. We spent a whole day on it actually today, so it's a good time to do this interview, but it's so hard for me not to tell you what <laughs> we're up to, <laughs> but it's coming. Yeah. Thanks for asking that. That's great. Yeah.
3: Um, well, we're all excited to be a part and to uh, just watch the impact that this new division of OnSite is going to have on the whole world. Um, and we'll start small, and but dream big for sure. So congratulations. Mm-hmm. And we're so excited to have you be a part of the team. One question I wanted to ask you, Debbie, just because you're so in the middle of it, is if you'd speak to just transitioning. Yeah. Um, no. I know that you're like... Feeling it, you'd been in music cares for how many years?
0: Close to 24. I round up. So, so this I've said is 24. the
3: first right. time to have a, a first day. Yes. In, you know, almost 25 years. Yes. That's a big change. It's, and so, how are you doing and um, what are you learning about transition in this season?
0: Oh, uh, that's a very important and great question. Um, it has been. It has been different than what I anticipated it to be. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm somewhat of a planner, so I like to know where I'm going and what how it's going to turn out. It doesn't always turn out the way I have planned. It's been a period of growth. So yeah. I'll also say during those times where, I mean, the first day thinking – do I have any shoes? Do I have earrings that match? Do they match? Yeah. I remember I put my hands up to my ears to make sure I had on the same earrings. <laughs> that when I was driving out here, everybody has been so welcoming and so incredibly kind. And and just the fact that you even asked that question is is so lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been when my anxiety flares, which it it it's kind of a roller coaster. One day yeah. feels amazing. And the next day, I'm like, Oh my gosh, what I do? Where am I doing? What am I doing? It feels like a period of growth, and so I'm learning and trying to learn as much as I possibly can and be gentle with myself in the mm. process and not have any expectations that I keep saying, you know, it's going to take a solid 90 days to yeah. know what you're doing, and yet the brainstorming sessions have been so much fun, and so that gets my energy flowing. But I would say, what is the saying that I, I say often? The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek.
3: Oh, I love that. So,
0: just being able to get out of your comfort zone and and take a risk—I've felt that need for some time. And as I said, it took something really, really special for me to even consider leaving something that was equally as special. Yeah. yeah. So, it's been good, but thank you for asking. It's been yeah. up and down.
2: I bet. I think the starting over and the being a beginner is such a uncomfortable place for so many of us.
0: It was, I had not had a first day of a first job since I was 32, and I'll be 57 this summer. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. you're That's a beginner. So. That's these yeah, days. I know, right? It is, yeah. right? It's uh, so th- awesome.
2: I love how you're being graceful to yourself.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: If I could uh, jump off of your answer to the transition question, I didn't even think about that, but we're both in a bit of a transition, mm-hmm. which has mm-hmm.
0: been,
1: it's kind of neat to come into something new having come out of something so familiar. Mm-hmm. Because I I made a pivot about a year ago and, and took a little time in between and I'm kind of reemerging now and just a new role, mm-hmm. you know, from running day to day here at Onsite to being in a bit more of a um, vision, uh, you know, growth type role. And I've experienced a little bit of identity grief yeah. of like, oh man, I w- I, that I've done that so long and that's what everybody knows me by. And without it, it was really interesting when it went away, I started to, so insecurity came up. I was yeah. like, well, do I, who am I yeah. without that? I know how to do that. Can I do other things? <laughs> and yeah. it's been fun to be reminded as I'm stepping back into developing some new projects and new things. It's like, oh, yeah, I've done this for a long time. And this experience is merging in a way that's going to be really beneficial and fun. So, but yeah, it's uh, the... I hadn't even thought about the transition part until you said it, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I'm on the back end of some of it too. And it's a, probably a bit of an obstacle because as you said, it's up and down, but man, what an opportunity uh, mm-hmm. to take longevity and experience and emerge it into this new vision. It's mm-hmm. gonna be
0: fun. It's gonna be great fun. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think, Miles, um, what I was thinking when you said like, who am I without that? So much of what we do at Onsite and in our in-person experiences is to strip all that away. And so I'm really grateful that you are just even you know vulnerable with our audience to say, "I feel that tension, I feel that pain when we strip away what we do when we stop being a human doing um, and really focus on who we are as a human being so I have externally seen you kind of in that wrestle, and so yeah, what is what has been your biggest finding from that
1: hmm. Well, I would say that a good dose of Self-awareness analysis and development mm. uh, it, it is a pretty solid foundation to navigate transition. So did I experience a lot of the things that we support people who are challenged by going through transitions or loss of identity or change of identity? We talked about that earlier with mm-hmm. the artist and creative. Yeah, I experienced it. I'm not immune to it, but I am talking about it. Yeah. I can identify it. Mm-hmm. I can own it. And I and I don't have any, I, I don't feel any shame as I own that. It's yeah. like, yeah, that's a totally human thing to experience. Mm, that's awesome. So I'll talk about it. I can own it. I can process it, which means I can work through it. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big takeaway. It, it, it didn't take me out. It didn't be like, oh my gosh, uh, there's been days, you know, mm-hmm. where I've, I've struggled more than others, but it, it's just, it's change. And mm-hmm. I like the, I like change. I like the excitement of it. And I would say in some cases, I'm, I don't know that I would say I like struggle, the struggle of change. Uh, But I understand the necessity of it so much that I don't mind partnering with it. Mm. So I think I'm in a better headspace, and that's been a good takeaway. I guess an affirming takeaway that the work we do and that I've been committed over the years does work, especially in times of transition.
3: Yeah. It's helpful to bring it above the surface Mm -hmm. and to be able to process it and invite people in. Mm -hmm. Because that is when it goes wrong. Is when you're like, oh, this is all just festering, Mm -hmm. and I feel disoriented, and I can't. Speak to it, and right. I don't know why.
1: So, we have such a bias against the idea of struggle as human beings, and it's almost like if we struggle with something, there's something wrong that's bad, mm-hmm. wrong, yeah. and yeah. it must be us, which is actually not true. Struggle is part of the human condition, yeah. it's what we do mm-hmm. with it.
3: So, true, it's good, yeah, good reminder. That's a great reminder. And <laughs> I think we're all gonna struggle, they're <laughs> all gonna
2: struggle. And even the way you said partner with struggle, I think that's a, a really beautiful reframe that I need today because sometimes we encounter hard things. And then, like you said, want to run from that. Um, and so the leaning into that and the partnering with it is, it gives you back agency over it, I think. does not just coming at you. So
4: yeah.
2: that's so good. Thank you guys for sitting down with us.
0: Thank you so much. This is great fun. We're More so to We're excited come. to
2: see what's coming.
1: It was a good start. I, I'll, I'll, I'll disclose to our yeah. listeners that even before this interview, we almost pushed pause. Mm-hmm. And we were like, should we wait until we've got more to say about what we're doing? Because that's what we're excited to talk about. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm glad we did it mm-hmm. because I, I really want. I, I think I don't know many people that don't know you in the music community, and a lot of people in our behavior in the mental health community. Yeah. But Onsite kind of is that hybrid that sits in both camps, and there are a lot of people that know Onsite that that I want to know you, and so I'm glad we got to introduce you today. And you are heading up a really important division for our future. But more, what I'm even more excited about is you're speaking into the entire vision of Onsite being part of our executive team. And we're headed great places, and we've got a wonderful team. And I just think having you part of it is just so exciting. So I'm glad you're here.
0: Thank you so much. And I will say that having in the five days that I've been here, <laughs> I can see what a special team you have of just brilliant individuals who are passionate and. Forward thinking and vulnerable, and that's new, um, a little bit new to me in, in the, the work environment. Um, mm-hmm. And it's so wonderful, so wonderful. I'm so excited about what we're doing. It's going to be fantastic and a lot of fun. Let's go. Let's and go. and uh, when we do come back and talk to you guys again, yeah.
1: we will have a bit more info on what we're doing and how you might could get involved. We'd love to invite you yeah. uh, into what we're creating because it's, it's going to be pretty special.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: W. Miles, we often ask people what is one practice that you do on a daily basis or a weekly rhythm that keeps you centered? And I'd love to just kind of end there. It's one of those practices for each of
0: you. I think this is a common one for me, but I, I certainly spend some intentional time in the morning. Meditating, I I use that term loosely, mm-hmm. um, but to center my day and also working out. Yeah. I say vanity and sanity, um, <laughs> yeah. mainly sanity of late. So it just helps everything to just get a little bit of exercise. Move your body, I feel that.
1: Mm-hmm. What about you, Miles? Vanity and sanity. Right. That's so good, right? <laughs> That's really good. I need to do some more of that. Uh, I would say the thing I do most consistently— there are lots of things I'd like to do more consistently in regards to being centered, helping me be more centered. But the thing I do probably most consistently is just is what I've been doing with you guys, just process mm-hmm. what's happening yeah. in my life, in my world. I'll do it uh, at home. I'll do it with a friend community. Mm-hmm. And I'll do it with leadership that I get to be involved with from yeah. professionally. So I it's... It's so helpful for me, for people to know the narrative behind the narrative, what's happening. And it's, look, you don't, I know that for people that are listening to this thinking that would be new for me to do that all the time, it's not like that's all I do is walk around and tell you my uh, highs and lows. (laughs) But I I do intentionally carve out time for it and don't go very long without Mm -hmm. checking in uh, with somebody. And that really helps me stay centered. I
2: love that. You're very relational. I know that every meeting I have with you, like to set it in the right path is to connect. And I really appreciate the way that you lead out in that organization. So thanks. Thanks
1: guys. Thank you for listening today and for committing valuable time to share space with these powerful stories. Make sure you hit subscribe to get all of our inspiring conversations with these incredible people delivered directly to you. And if you found this conversation particularly impactful, consider supporting the show by leaving a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen